0: as a suggestion rather than a command. No, we are commanded to forgive. I want you to note that the master called the unforgiving servant wicked. It's wicked to not forgive. Peter thought he was being generous. He said, should I forgive my brother seven times? Maybe he thought he would be commended for his generosity. After all, uh, the, the teaching of the rabbis at the time was that you should forgive your brother up to three times. But Jesus said no. Seventy-seven times, or as I said, some, some manuscripts have seven times seventy. Well, we're not to take that literally, 77 or 490, it means there's no limit. We're to forgive whenever we need to forgive. We're to forgive every time our brother sins against us. And then he gave this parable. One servant owed the king 10,000 talents. Now, the equivalent today would be millions of dollars. And the king was going to throw him into debtor's prison, but he begged for mercy. And the king gave him mercy. But this same servant went out and he found a fellow servant that owed him a hundred denarii. The equivalent today would be a few dollars. A few dollars. Well, the second servant begged for mercy, but was not given it. He was thrown into jail. This represents... Our sins against God and those who have sinned against us. Yeah, there are people that sin against us. That does happen. But it can't begin to compare with our sins against God. I did the program called Uh, evangelism explosion. It it was an evangelism training training program. And one of the illustrations which we were encouraged to use was this. You know, it it, just as it had Romans 3.23 up there, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And and actually, uh, the proper tense of the Greek in that is for all have sinned and are falling short of the glory of God. We're continually falling short short of the glory of God. And, you know, if you're trying to share the gospel with somebody, you know, the person may reply, well, I haven't sinned all that much, you know. And uh, you might give the illustration of, well, you know what? I would feel good if I only sinned three times a day. You know, I know I sin a lot more than three times a day, but if I only sinned three times a day, I'd feel pretty good about it. But the problem is, if I sin three times a day, that would be 1,000 times a year. And if I lived to the age of 70, that would be 70,000 sins. Now, do you think that a just judge would let a criminal off having committed 70,000 crimes? I don't think so. Uh, Surely there's nobody in your life that has sinned against you 70,000 times. It just doesn't compare. So when the the master found out what the first servant had done, he rebuked him and had him thrown into jail to be tortured. To be tortured. And I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. That's very important. A lot of people think, I can't forgive. I, I can't. Well, and, and they associate forgiveness with how they feel, with, how, with their emotions. Well, I'm just too hurt, I'm just too angry, I just can't forgive. You know, if you could not forgive, you wouldn't be commanded to do so. Whenever Jesus commands something, the implication is that you have a free choice in the matter. Now, of course, we need the grace of God to do so, but grace is available. Anything Jesus commands, he gives the grace to do. We can choose. Colossians 3.13 says, Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We're not to be slaves to our feelings. We're not to be slaves to our emotions. We can make the choice. If we make the correct choice, then the feelings and emotions will eventually come into line with the choice that we make. And forgiveness is a choice of the will. Forgiveness is a choice of the will. We, We find the definition of forgiveness in the 32nd Psalm. First two verses. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. That's the definition of forgiveness. Not counting one's sins against one. And that is the choice that we make. I'm not going to count John Doe's sins against me against him. I'm not going to count Betty Jane sins against me, against her. I deliberately make the choice to forgive. Now the next question that probably comes to your mind, well, what about the pain? What about the anger? That's a legitimate question. If you make the choice to forgive, then you open yourself up for God to heal the pain, And the anger. But if you do not forgive, that will never be healed. I want to go through seven steps that have greatly helped me in forgiving. Again, in a nutshell, to forgive is to make the free choice to not hold one's sins against one. Alright, and a lot of times we can we can do it just like that. I make that choice. But sometimes things happen to us that are quite painful that make us really angry. And it and it is not it it it, it is not quite as simple as, well, I just make that choice. But these seven steps I have found to be really helpful. Um first of all Well, before I get into the seven steps, I may, the person that hurt me or that led me to be really angry, I may picture them standing in front of me, okay? And what I will do is I will acknowledge the hurt. I will acknowledge the wound. I will acknowledge the the crime, the sin. A lot of people won't even take that step. Oh, it doesn't bother me. Oh, forget it. Never mind. Ah, you know, and it gets buried. It needs to be acknowledged. If you have a a sore on your skin, it's not going to heal unless the pus gets drained out. And it is treated. And that's how we often are emotionally. So, Acknowledge the hurt. Then acknowledge the feelings that are inside. There's a lot of people that don't like to talk about their feelings, but we have feelings. God created us with emotions. God created us with feelings. We need to acknowledge them. Well, Brother John, when when you called me an idiot, it, it, it made me feel inferior. It made me feel like you're saying that you're better than I am. It made me feel like I'm unworthy. You know something like that. Well, Sister Sue, when uh, when you did me wrong at work, it really made me angry. It really it really felt like uh, um, it, it felt like that I was going to get in trouble with the boss. It felt like I may get fired. Uh, it, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. There was fear involved. So we acknowledge the feelings. Number one, acknowledge the hurt. Number two, acknowledge the feelings. Number three, we cancel the debt. We say, you don't owe me anything. I'm not going to hold this sin against you. You do not have to make it up to me. You do not even have to apologize. You know, it's nice if we get an apology, but we may never get it. There are people that will never acknowledge that they have done us wrong. They will never acknowledge that they have hurt us. We must forgive them anyway. We cancel the debt. Number four, and I, I, will ha- I need to explain this one, but we need to be willing to be hurt again by that person if God were to allow it. Now, let me explain what it isn't. Okay? Let's say that a wife is uh, being abused by her husband. It doesn't mean that she willingly puts herself in a place where she can can where abuse continues. You know, she needs to get away from that relationship. She's responsible for forgiving her husband, but uh, uh, to allow him to abuse her is not loving him it's not loving herself and it's not loving god but what it does mean is this any relationship you're in particularly your close relationships uh, you're going to step on one another's toes from time to time you're going to do things that uh, lead to anger in the other person it's just going to happen you know all of you who are married, you know what I mean. Well, what if what if my wife died and hurt me, and I was never willing to be hurt again? That would mean I'm putting up a wall. It would mean that uh, our marriage could never be the same. That there would always be distance. Look, uh, uh, in any close relationship, there's going to be hurt. And, you know, with the Lord God, things can be a thousand times better. It means being open to having a relationship as far as it is safe to do so. Number five, you have to love the person as he or she is. He may be a jerk. She may be an idiot. He may be a nut. You have to love the person as he or she is because you cannot change them. The only person you can change is yourself. That doesn't mean that you can't expect change, but they are as they are, and you have to love them just as they are. Number six, accept that Christ died for their sin against you. Jesus died for their sin against you. And that's payment enough. They don't have to repay you. Jesus paid for that sin. And number seven, bless the person. As the Bible tells us, bless and do not curse. Pray for those who mistreat you. John Doe, in the name of Jesus, I bless you and I release you into receiving all that God has for you, all that God intends for you to receive and to be. And God intends good for that person. And whatever whatever um, judgment he may have, that's, that's his business. We bless the person. So Acknowledge the hurt, acknowledge feelings, cancel the debt, be willing to be hurt again if God allows, love the person as he or she is, accept Christ's payment for their sin, and bless the person. You know, there are consequences of unforgiveness. And there are dire consequences. Jesus tells us that uh, if we're not willing to forgive others, We won't be forgiven by him. I don't know about you, but I like for my sins to be forgiven. I remember I was in hospital visiting the man. And he was an unbeliever, and I wanted to lead him to Christ. And he had had a rather bitter divorce. I knew that there was a lot of anger and pain towards his ex-wife. I shared the gospel with him. He was willing to receive Jesus. But I said, before you do that, you need to be willing to forgive your ex-wife. Are you willing? He thought about it for a minute and he said, yes. I led him in a prayer of forgiveness. Then I led him in a prayer to receive Christ as his Savior. Another consequence is that you reap what you sow. The first servant sowed unforgiveness, and he ended up reaping it. James 2.13 says, Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. I like to receive mercy from God, and I like to receive mercy from my fellow man. And so I'm going to extend mercy. The third consequence of unforgiveness is spiritual stagnation. There are people that have been the baby Christians for 40 years and have not grown hardly at all because there's unforgiveness in their hearts. It's a simple command. It's a simple command. But we're living in wickedness if we don't obey it. How can we expect to grow in the Lord? Another consequence of unforgiveness is that it defiles you and it defiles others around you. Hebrews twelve fifteen says this, See that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Perhaps you've been in a church where You encountered somebody that was bitter. And it affected everyone around him or her. That's what it does. We're not to let the seed of unforgiveness become rooted because it grows up and it defiles. It's caused, I don't know how many church splits. Right now, I'm working for a lawn service, and Friday, uh, my boss was brush hogging this this large property. And what he had us employees doing was we were weed eating where he could not brush hog. You know, next to trees, next to fences and everything. Grass was about this high. That's hard to weed eat. I mean, I had to weed eat you know, the top half of it first before I came through the bottom part of it. And it was slow going. Now just think, you know, if, if, if the grass had only you know been about that high, how much easier it would have been to deal with? Well, that's a good example of what can happen with seeds of bitterness. It can get worse and worse and become harder to deal with. Unforgiveness dumbs us down. Makes us dumber. I want to read to you a passage out of James. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts do not boast about it or deny the truth such wisdom and in my translation it has wisdom in quotation marks because it's obviously not true wisdom such wisdom does not come down from heaven but is earthly unspiritual of the devil for the for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Where there's bitter, bitterness and selfish ambition, the, the, the only wisdom that we receive is false wisdom, earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. And then oftentimes such false wisdom gets applied to the church with disastrous results another consequence of unforgiveness is physical afflictions can cause ulcers can cause heart trouble can cause arthritis my best friend next to the Lord and my wife is Chip Hill and he's the pastor emeritus of Word of Faith Church in Monterey my best friend he he was saved, I believe, right around the age of 20. And it wasn't long after he was saved that he was diagnosed with arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. And he was told that by the time he was 40 maybe, he'd be a cripple. But then he learned that that a spiritual root of arthritis can be unforgiveness. And he got with the Lord. He had the Lord to reveal to him all the people that he had not forgiven. And he dealt with the pain, and he dealt with the emotions, and he made the deliberate choice to forgive all these people. And he kept making that choice. Well, Chip is over 70 now, and he's still working his farm. Sometimes a little bit of arthritis will flare up, and it'll be a a sign to him that maybe there's unforgiveness in my life. And he forgives. I know of two Christians, at least they call themselves Christians, that. Something relatively minor happened, and, and they refused to forgive. I'm not going to forgive. And they died prematurely. I believe God took them out. And then, remember how the king turned the first servant over to be prison and to be tortured by the jailers? There is spiritual imprisonment. There is torture. First of all, unforgiveness results in mental afflictions. The anger and the pain haunt you. They control you. When you, when you get caught in obsessing, uh, obsessive thoughts about the anger and the hurt, that's all you can think about. They eat you up. Unforgiveness can lead to depression. Unforgiveness can lead to anxiety. Unforgiveness can lead to insanity. There's a lot of people in the insane asylums today. Their insanity began with unforgiveness. And another way in which we can be tortured is by demonic oppression. Oppression. Ephesians four twenty six twenty seven 27 says this, Do not let the sun go down while you were still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Unforgiveness gives the devil a foothold in your life, and footholds can eventually become strongholds. But how about the blessings of forgiveness? First blessing is freedom. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And the truth is that we're to forgive one another. You know, as long as you feel like the other person owes you something, you're enslaved to that. But if you set them free, you set yourself free. And Jesus wants us to be free. Those whom the sun sun sets free are free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I want to be free. Another blessing is that you're forgiven by God. Jesus said, if you'll forgive men their sins against you, I will forgive your sins. I mean... You know, that's in, that's in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. See, in the same measure in which we use to, to treat other people, that's the measure that God uses with us, which comes to you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. If you sow, uh, uh, if you sow lack of mercy, you'll reap it. But if you sow mercy... You'll reap that in the, in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And you'll receive true wisdom. Because in making the choice to forgive, it shows that you're fearing God. And the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of Wisdom. It affects, your, it affects in a positive way your spiritual, physical, and mental health and your spiritual growth. I can testify to you, I, I believe with all my heart, that abundant life, the beginnings of abundant life in me were when I learned how to truly forgive and I made the choice to forgive all who had sinned against me. I got saved long before that. But I I wasn't living abundantly. But that was the beginnings of abundant life. And it glorifies God. God says do it, you do it. To glorify him. It witnesses to the cross. Jesus died for every one of your sins. He went to that extreme. Are you not willing to forgive your brother or sister? Now, let me address a a couple of um, misunderstandings. You've heard the uh, phrase forgive and forget. Just because you remember, it doesn't necessarily mean that you haven't forgiven. And just because you have forgotten, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have forgiven. I can remember a lot of things, but I've made the choice to forgive. There are people who uh, maybe have forgotten old wounds and hurts and all that, they ne- but they never forgave, and it's eating them up today, and they don't realize what the problem is. Also, let me say this. Forgiveness doesn't enable harmful behavior. Now, let's say a, a person steals something from my home. I am responsible for forgiving him, but it is not love to enable that behavior. Now, if it's some... 13-year-old boy, and it's the first offense, and I, and I can see that, that, that you know, the boy is genuinely, genuinely remorseful, you know, I might make the decision not to press charges against him. I will make the decision to forgive him regardless of the circumstances. But let's say it's a 40-year-old man who's got a rap sheet a mile long. I'm going to press charges because uh, 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 his... His harmful behavior does not need to be enabled. I'm going to forgive, but I'm I'm going to press charges. Emotional healing. Emotional healing is often a process. Praise God. Sometimes he heals us emotionally like that. But sometimes it's slow. Sometimes it comes as we're willing to continue to cooperate with God. You know, sometimes we'll start thinking of the pain and the anger again. Well, what we need to do is we need to remind ourselves and remind the devil, no, I, cho- I chose to forgive that person. Maybe we need to forgive again. I mean, I, there's a few people in my life I've had to forgive hundreds of times. But if I have to forgive them more, I will do it. I refuse to walk in unforgiveness. But as long as I'm cooperating with God, emotional healing is going to come. God wants you emotionally whole. God wants you free. God wants to heal you. There are no exceptions. Seems like every person that I encounter that As somebody that that he or she won't forgive, they seem to think that, well, you know, this is the exception to what Jesus said. No, Jesus said forgive. But you don't know, Pastor, what he did to me. No, I don't. But it can't begin to compare with all that we have done to God. And think of this, as long as you don't forgive, that person's still doing it to you. It's still eating you up. And as long as you're not being forgiven, as long as you're not forgiving, you're being wicked. And that's the problem with today. So many people have this victim mentality. Oh, woe is me. Well, this group or that group oppresses me, and I can't get ahead, and blah, 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 blah. Excuse me, but Christ came to set us free. I'm not a victim. In Christ, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I have the choice to think positively or to think negatively. I have the choice to forgive or not forgive. I have the choice to love or not love. And I don't want to choose what God tells me to choose. Because I'm more than a conqueror. I want to bring this up. You may not have thought of this, but maybe you need to forgive yourself for something. I've come across people, and I've been guilty of this too, Holding something against myself. Let yourself off the hook, okay? And you know what? You may need to forgive God. That's not that God ever does anything wrong. God never sins. God never makes mistakes. He never does anything wrong. But sometimes God doesn't do exactly what you want him to do. Or what I want him to do. And we can get disappointed. We can even get angry at God. We need to forgive him. God, you didn't do what I wanted you to do. I'm disappointed. You know, I wanted to be a major league baseball player and you called me to preach. (laughs) Why'd you do that, Lord? (laughs) I mean, it bothers me. I'd rather be a baseball player. But God, you're perfect. Everything that you do is always right and just, and it's always for the best. And you have my best interest in my heart, in your heart, and I'm not going to hold it against you, God. I praise you. I forgive you. Again, God, not that you've done anything wrong. You have it. You've done everything exactly right. But uh, I love you, God, and and. Forgive me for my anger towards you. You know, a survey was done of of Holocaust survivors. And And imagine having gone through the Holocaust if you were a Jew or a Christian who hid Jews. Well, the ones that were able to live in a better state of mind, were the ones that were able to forgive. One Holocaust survivor, Cory Ten Boom, wrote the Hiding place. Most of you probably heard, heard of her. Maybe you've read her books. Uh, five years after the war ended, she was preaching in Germany, and she was preaching on this very subject, on the subject of forgiveness. She gave an altar call. A man came up to her. Miss Tin Boom, what you're preaching about forgiveness is very good. I asked that you forgive me for what I did to you. And he stuck out his hand and she recognized that he was one of the guards at the concentration camp where she had been interred. That he had been a cruel man. But obviously in the, in the interim he had come to Christ. And he, he had he stuck out his hand. And, I mean he or she had just been preaching about forgiveness. And she felt all cold inside. But she thought I've got to do what God tells me to do. What I've been preaching about. And she didn't want to do it, but she extended her hand and took his. And it's like the moment their hands met, the power of God went through her. Because she made that choice to forgive. On the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I really believe that that saying along with with the other actions of Jesus while he was on the cross turned that one thief's heart. And that thief repented. And he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, today you will dwell with me in paradise. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now I'm going to offer an altar call. As I've been preaching, maybe the Lord's been bringing to mind someone that you've been really struggling to forgive. And you know how it's hindered you in, in many different ways. I'm willing to, you know, to lead you in a prayer of forgiveness for that person. And you don't have to tell me what they've done. You know. You, just mention, you don't even have to mention their name. And I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. And if you're willing, if you will say, I'm willing to forgive that person, you'll receive the transforming grace of God. And you're going to begin experiencing life as you haven't been experiencing it in a while. It's going to set you free. So while she plays the music softly, I will. Uh, I'll be available, and uh, then we'll conclude it with uh, whatever hymn is in your um, in your bulletins. Heavenly Father, I just. I want to lift up everyone in this congregation, Lord. I know, God, how you've set me free. I am so thankful that in my life that, that you brought me to a place where I learned how to, how to properly forgive. And you helped me and enabled me to make that free choice. And you helped me to walk in forgiveness from that point on. And you've just been continually healing my heart and my emotions, and and, and setting me free and filling me with Your Spirit. And I want these people to experience that too. I want freedom for them. I want healing. I I, I want to see them grow as You intend for them, O God, for them to have the abundant life that You came that they might have. And I pray this in Jesus' name.